Hello, Mel. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Pretty excited. We've got another in-studio guest coming in. It's nice having people in here, isn't it? I prefer it over the Skype stuff, just because there's certain things you just can't ever get when there's a computer in the way. That is true, and I'm not adapted or adapted to technology too good and <laughs> terrible English. <laughs> Terrible, terrible. I don't speak too good. I don't speak too good to a computer (laughs) technology. Um, Someone who does, though, who speaks very well. This guy that I've got, I've produced yet again. Yeah, you're on a roll here. I know. (laughs) Somebody stop me, in the words of the mask, Jim Carrey. (laughs) Stop me, please. I'm just swirling like a tornado now. The guy that's coming in today, boy graduate. What a cool name. That was the first thing I thought when you sent it to me because I honestly didn't have much context around the guy other than I'd heard a little bit about a groundswell yeah. locally around him that he had an audience that reached beyond this area. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I really thought was that is a great name. How did he get that name? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so true because all I can aspire to is beauty school dropout. <laughs> There's no way near getting a, yeah, well, a graduate on the end of, I'm not going to be male graduate ever. Well, that's bad, but business school graduate that now works in retail is probably almost <laughs> as bad. <laughs> Go back to high school. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably need to start over again. <laughs> well, let's get him in because I know a little bit about him, but I think the people of uh, our listenership might get around. He throws a bit of shade, I think. I think he's got some opinions that might um, rub people up the wrong way or the right way, open up some eyes. That's good. My mind tends to get opened by coffees. So I'm looking forward to Boy Graduate opening it that little bit further, but to get it started, I need a coffee. So I'd like a coffee. I've started to drinking iced coffees. Is that how I say it right? That is. Yeah, there you go. And just for the people at home so they know, I'm going to post a picture of Mel holding her iced coffee <laughs> and her lip gloss in a very strange configuration. <laughs> Not strange at all. That's how I hold stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you can support us, listen to us, and click on something and press play all mm-hmm. at com. We do appreciate people that share the show and buy us coffees because it helps pay for this room that we're in. Yeah. And these microphones that Mel keeps changing through, so... I know nothing about any of the expenses. <laughs> I'm just here to... You're just the talent. <laughs> I'm just the talent. Right, <laughs> so can we jump in some, with some real talent? <laughs> <Yeah>. Boy graduate. <laughs> Someone's graduated in it. Welcome to Punching Sideways. I'm super excited about today because I've done some producing. I actually did my job for a change. Yeah, just part of your job description, yeah. producer Mel. So it's all about me, but actually it's not because we've got um, Cameron on or Cam, um, who I know as Boy Graduate. How you going, mm, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? I'm, I'm very no, good. I just met Josh today, so yeah. nice to meet you too, dude. It's been a pretty exciting five minutes getting to meet someone <laughs> that apparently has more nicknames than even Dan Caulfield, a previous guest. <laughs> well, yeah, let's get straight into that because you do so many different things, which I want to delve down. So for anyone at home who has just tuned in, what would you call yourself? 
like your boy graduate, but yeah. what would you call yourself? Like as like a title? Yeah, like what do you do? Uh, maybe first and foremost, an artist. Yeah. And then the second one would probably be entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. And this is. And the- then the third one, window maker. Because yeah. that's my job at the moment. <laughs> I like how he's got his priorities in order. That you're an artist who moonlights as a window maker. <laughs> yeah, but windows are sadly becoming <laughs> more of a priority. It's the time we, it's, well, we've all had a tough time. I mean, I'm someone who talks into a microphone and moonlights as someone who sells toasters. <laughs> so we're, we all do what we have yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So just the nicknames. Can we just go through just the few that you just gave us? I, won't, I say nicknames. So I don't yeah. mean that to be pejorative. I just you've obviously got a stage name, a shortened version of a stage name that yeah. Mel came up with. <laughs> no, there is way more. Yeah. So to get to boy graduate, yeah. How did you get there? What did you? What? How did your whole? Because I know you first and foremost. You're very entrepreneur, but as a rapper, yeah. So how did you get your get into rapping, and how did you get this cool name that you've got? I wasn't I wasn't always boy graduate. Ah. I had like seven different handles <laughs> before I landed on boy graduate. Uh, before boy graduate, I was June buggy. June buggy. Okay, sorry, I've just got to derail us early. Cam, you look like you're about twenty five, maybe. You probably yeah. you might be older than that, but I was thinking, how could you have seven handles? You look like you're two years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment. We'll post a photo. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please do. Can we list them all? Or you just want to uh, leave them I can't in the remember. past? It's like, see, Cleasy was the very first stage name I had. Yeah. And then I think I changed it to Kello Blake and then Junior. And then from that, June Buggy came. And at one stage for like a month, I called myself Handsome because I was just like, I discovered going to the gym and I lost a lot of weight and I thought I was handsome. That's a good <laughs> enough reason. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was June Buggy. And then that's when I was living in Melbourne. So. I think I was freestyling in a cipher and I was wearing my RMIT hoodie. I'm a graduate of yeah. Royal Melbourne <laughs> Institute yeah. of Technology. And um, I was just wearing my yeah jumper. And a cipher is, for those who don't know, a circle of rappers that just jump in and rap yeah. off the cuff and uh, introduced myself as the boy graduated or like the boy graduate yeah. because I was just about to graduate university. And my name was still June Buggy at the time, and people were like, oh, like, is that your name, like, Boy Graduate? And I was like, no, nah, it's not. They are like, well, that's a really dope name, though. And I was like, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then from that night onwards, because uh, I had just signed on with a manager, shout out Fitzy, and uh, I was like, I think I want to change my name to, like, start brand new. Yeah. Because that was my thing. I didn't have any traction yet. Yeah. So I, I still could. But all my friends, of course, were like, oh, you're changing your, your rap name again. Like, what are you doing? Like, Or if it's coming straight from someone in the audience, so that's kind of like getting the feedback in advance. Yeah. yeah. And no one ever used to ask me. They'd just be confused why my name was June Buggy. But, like, ever since I've changed my name to Boy Graduate, it's been like... It's like a statement. It's a cool name. Do you feel like it was like you had to go through like all the shitty girlfriends to get the, to get the, the good right name. one yeah, at the yeah, end? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, That's yeah. a perfect analogy. <laughs> that is honestly it. Yeah. Some people are too scared to do that though. True. To they change it. They, they think that's going to ruin them. They're just stuck with that first, as you said, shitty girlfriend. Yeah. They just, yeah. They just roll with it. Just go back into that abusive relationship yeah. where she gives you no love. No. And 
I think that was the one though. <laughs> I got married to the name. <laughs> yeah. And also a side note was that boy graduate on every social media platform wasn't taken. Yes. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. No one, like, there's no other people called boy graduate, which is weird. That's so important though. It is, particularly in modern music. I yeah. mean, to just not be able to get the the name the same across a platform can just be so confusing yeah. for people. So many people I know, even on Spotify, they just have the same name and they release a song and it gets placed under another artist. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now I have to email, like, the distributor. I've, like, never had that problem. <laughs> Everyone I talk to has that problem. Until I've now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen this happen in multiple different things in my life where people get attached to a name yeah. before doing clearly what you did was you heard that and you thought, oh, that might be cool. But yeah. then you obviously went and did the research to see, should I invest in this name? Yeah. It's as simple as just typing into Google, isn't it? Yeah. And then going to Spotify, Pandora, whatever's available and mm. typing it in there. Yeah, exactly. And then I just went on to like change username on all the platforms and it was like, this name's available. So I just, um, I just made the leap. So you just, you little... You filtered in this little, like, shout-out about you've got a, a manager. He's not my manager anymore. But he was your manager. He was So at the time. can we just talk about the reason I got you on here is, one, you're a super interesting dude, but you've got ties to the Philippines. Yeah. So you're entrepreneuring the shit out of everywhere. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your, your music and your links and what you've done to get over there? Like, like from the very start? Yeah, like yeah, how it, yeah. Like the how did it events. start? I guess I met, I met Fitzy at a gig, and he was a rapper at a time, and then we were talking, like, on and off for a while. I just knew he had, like, he was a, he, he's a hustler, and I just never met anyone like that before. He was so, like, hustling. Like, he was really all over the shop when you think about it. Like, he, you'd be driving with him down the street and he'd see a couch and he'd pull over, get the couch, put it on top of his car and, like, put it on Gumtree and, like, try hustle it, like, sell it, like, flip it. And, like, his ideas and stuff. I just was really um, attracted to not the right word, but, like... Intrigued? Mag, ma, like, it was like a magnet. I, like, yeah. just wanted to like, keep hanging out with him. And then he decided to become more of a manager and he found a bunch of guys who were rappers and good... And, um, yeah, he started a management company, a record label, and a publicity company, which is where the Philippines comes into play because I was working with him with the publicity, pitching artists to, like, radio stations like Triple J, all that kind of stuff, um, also doing stuff overseas. And we were branching into digital marketing, which is a huge industry now massive yeah and but when you got into it it wouldn't have been as prolific would it no like i feel like now all the old people and stuff are like oh now it's really important especially with covid yeah like oh now we need a website yeah now we need to have our socials looking good now we need to have a brand online and two years ago it was still like a luxury yeah. to do that it's like oh we can't afford that let's just focus on you know flyers and you know tangible marketing like radio ads and stuff like that but now it's like completely changed which is great and he found a partner in the philippines like a business partner just by chance um at a co-working space and these guys were running an airbnb business for luxury villas 
in Bali, Philippines, Hong Kong, uh, and in apartments in London and stuff like that. And they were looking at opening their own, finding a digital marketer for their properties and also starting their own digital marketing firm. So they thought Sean could be the one to sort of head that project. So we went around, we went to the Philippines for like a month, got to know these guys, stayed in this awesome villa. And after a month, we decided to work together. And that's how, is that how you got your music like and started infiltrating over there as well with your music? Yeah, I'd already started. My music career was already well established at that point. Yeah. So... I might have skipped a few steps. <laughs> As, no, you're right. No, we yeah. cannot. We can we, go right back in a minute yeah. anyway. Yeah. This is intriguing. So. Yeah. yeah. And then I lived there for 10 months and unfortunately that partnership came to an end. Yeah. Um, that's when COVID and stuff started happening. And then it was like, oh, I could stay in the Philippines and keep it going or like I could move back to Australia Yeah. and figure out what I want to do. But I'd already made connections with so many people in the Philippines, myself, Yeah. besides from hanging out with Fitz, uh, I was going to, because uh, I was living in Cebu, which is a, an hour flight from Manila, which is the capital, I had met the A&R, and for those who don't know what an A&R is, they discover artists and they kind of build them up until they're ready to sign them. So they invest in like a pool of artists and then depending on how those artists go, they always pick the ones that are starting to do well. Yeah. He was a new A&R for Warner Music in the Philippines. Yeah. His name's Alex and I have a business venture with him now. But I was flying to Manila with him. He was getting me shows, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, I've already got that. I've built this relationship with this guy. We've discussed business ideas like when we're together. Mm -hmm. I could go home and just like form that with him yeah offline uh, online yeah and i said look if i moved back home would it be would that kind of ruin what we've been talking about and he said no not at all we could do it online i don't see why not but that was like way before covid had fully <laughs> yeah. hit like so i was planning to go back like yeah. june i was like oh, i'll be back in june anyway and he said great we'll do like shows and we'll keep building your name over here because he wanted to help me with my music and it just turned out that <laughs> COVID happened, we so all, I, could, I couldn't go. I couldn't we go all home. got stuff. Can yeah. I ask something, Cam? Yeah. Obviously, we'll go back hopefully in a minute and talk about how you got to the point where your music is good enough to be on, you know, the radars of people yeah. that are like the gentleman you're speaking yeah. about that yeah. are an artist and repertoire and that sort of stuff. Is there something unique about that market that musically that made your the music you were creating at the time so appealing there or was it a market you already knew had an affinity for that style or were you caught off guard by well it's not seen i guess yeah. as a prominent music country when you think about no. it as a global music center but obviously yeah. whatever you're doing is well, re really hitting people there exactly alex is like on the forefront of bringing a global sound to the philippines especially in the genre of hip-hop and r&b the everything over there is so behind like 10 years so the music which is what they call opm original filipino music that's like a karaoke style what everyone would think filipino music is and is but there are gems i moved over there and there's just so much happening in terms of because of the internet now 
people can get really influenced by American rappers and all that kind of stuff. So my sound was already modern because I come from a first world country. And I think that's what Alex saw in me. And he's like, that music doesn't do well here, but I think it will because you've got Korea who have found their own sound and they've built that up and now that's a global sound. Mm -hmm. In a similar sense, that's sort of both our goals for the Philippines because Filipinos are super talented. They can sing, they can dance, they can do everything, but they're just behind. Yeah. Yeah. They've not been exposed to... No, and it's just, it's a known fact that major artists in America, they get developed by an A&R and they get tested in the Asian regions. Yeah. And if they do really well, like Love, who's L-A-U-V, who's a huge star in America, before he got big in America, they tested him in Asia. So he was popping in Asia. He was doing huge shows around it. No one knew who he was in America. But then the label said, that works put it in America, like apply that to America. So that's sort of the channel that major artists go through because of the numbers. Yeah. A testing ground. Yeah, it's, it's a cool. testing ground. Cool, like a, a research facility. We'll call mm. the Philippines is like a res- research facility for but um, going But on. going off on that, there's a, different, there's a different perspective for someone who's Filipino or half Filipino like me the Filipino people, they don't connect with it as much because they are Filipino. They want something that they can't have. Yeah. So when it's a full white foreigner, for me, it's actually an advantage to be half Filipino. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, he's half Filipino. I want to be like, I'm white over there. People call me white. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, yeah. you're like, he's white. I want to be him. But yeah. like with a full foreigner, it's more, it's more engaging for them to yeah. see that and connect with that. So that's what we've been trying to figure out for the last year, trying to figure out what kind of sound would fit there because the sound I'm making here in Australia, it doesn't work there. Sorry, Cam, how would you describe that? Look, for people that are listening that maybe haven't, they're still listening to us and they haven't gone to check you out yet, what is the sound that you are creating at the moment and do, yeah. you, do you see yourself changing that if, you, if the Philippines becomes even more of a focus? At the start, very much so, I wanted to change my sound to fit the Philippines and what I was creating, just one wasn't hitting the mark. I'd send Alex demos. He'd be like, nah, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. And um, now now I'm just making, just going back to what I've been making and the Philippines can catch up when they want. It's too much, it's too much stress. But what the music I make is popular now. It's very good. Yeah. yeah no, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah. I've been listening to it all week since yeah. Mel yeah. said you were coming on. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And yeah, it's just trap, hip hop, sort of R&B, a blend of all those, which is a wildly popular genre now in the world. So can I ask maybe what might be seen as a bit of a meta sort of question? When you were thinking about, I've got to do maybe this and this to my sound to move into this other market. Mm. What was it sound-wise or in the music that the Filipino market, what were they wanting that you were trying to give them? Like was there something in your head you're like, I've got to change this particular thing? Yeah. Well, one of the things was learning Tagalog, which is the Filipino language. Okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty difficult. Which I've been yeah. doing. I actually oh, really? just got out of a lesson after I messaged you before I met. Like, and did you have any exposure to the language pre-living there? No. And, oh, well, my mum. Yeah. Yeah. I knew how to say hello and goodbye and I'm hungry and I'm full. 
yeah. that's it. Stuff, stuff you learn as <laughs> yeah. a little kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't in a, because dad is white, it's a half Filipino house. So mum had to adapt to become more westernised. And where I lived in Cebu, they didn't speak Tagalog, they spoke Bisaya, a completely different dialect. So I couldn't learn Tagalog in Cebu because no one spoke it. And that was a regional language there? Yeah. As opposed to the national Which language. is Tagalog, yeah. So this is all super intriguing. <laughs> I love the crazy details and I think... Yeah. That, yeah we, I think we both do. <laughs> yeah. The, so you're trying to envisage, is it a mix of English and... Taglish is yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you were thinking about having a blend of, you know, yeah. something that's... Yeah. A universal element plus the local language in one... So... Within one song or... Yeah, yeah. So the Filipino people can hear it and be like, oh, he's actually speaking Tagalog there. Like, he's actually embracing his culture. That's dope. Because no one's done that. There's no... There's no proven case. There's no... That's that's what I'm trying to talk about with these Filipino artists here in Australia. Like, man, we got to tap into the... Filip- like, there's millions of people. If you get 10% of 130 million people, like... That's more than Australia. Like yeah, that's you can, a, that's half the population. Well, you it's can most of the east coast. <laughs> and then our culture in Australia is, if you see someone doing well, well, there's the tall poppy syndrome culture, yeah. which is like if someone becomes really big, they start hating on you. But when someone sees you climb, they want to jump on board as well. So if they see that, then your Australian uh, following is going to enjoy seeing you do that as well. But no one, there's no proof. There's no case study yet. No one's done it yet. It's funny you bring that up, mate. And you might be, to be honest, you might be too young to remember when yeah. these bands that I'm about to mention got big. But Australia loves nothing more, particularly the Triple J kind of layer of radio and entertainment. They yeah. love nothing more than a success story from overseas that brings something back home to the mm. market. The Vines, Wolf Mother, Airborne, all these huge rock and roll bands, yeah. they were all for whatever reason, got huge in the UK first and then they were a story when they came back. Yeah. So that may that could only work to your advantage that yeah. these young artists that maybe are based in Australia have this huge following in the Philippines. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's the same concept. The smart um, guy, Joshy. Yeah, he is. He's very clever. He's very, very smart. It's super interesting to listen to how you're just working stuff out. Yeah, thanks. And, so, and just when you're saying business ventures, yeah, is that within the music field or are these just through conversations and they're actually, you know, separate from the music relationship you have with these people? Uh, with with Alex, it's publicity. So it's it's pitching, it's finding Filipino foreigners and usually with Alex's contacts, he's so connected, so... Like, this guy's like... I don't even know who's... He, he knows everyone. He's yeah. got a big black book as opposed to a little black book. <laughs> and cl- clearly... Yeah a really refined taste for the market because if you're sending him demos as an artist, I mean, I'm not really writing much music at the moment. I've just started again. But when I used to, if I sent a demo to someone for feedback and their instant reaction was no, Mm. that can be a little crushing. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, But you obviously (laughs) trust his taste Yeah. that, okay, well, he really knows this market I trust. Well, this, this this guy, he's birthed some of the biggest Filipino bands who are massive in America. Like we went to Manila and he was like, oh, have you heard of this group called December Avenue? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, oh, they're like the biggest band here. And I was like, right. And I looked their Spotify up and yeah, just millions of plays. 
like I'm gonna go check up on them and see see them like they're rehearsing right now for their tour in America. And we went there and we chilled with them. I got a photo, and my cousins in Manila, because my mum's family lives in Manila still. They were like, "You met December Avenue?" It's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Alex just know, like Alex found them. Al- Alex is the one that finds the artist and blows them up. So that was really exciting for me that he was even interested in me. But then he brought to me a bigger vision that I really like. It's finding Filipino foreigners and making them big in the Philippines. So that's what that's what the business is. Talking to Filipino foreigners, trying to explain to them, like, look, there's something going on here. The Filipinos are starting to appreciate our kind of music more and all we need to do is sort of tinker or like just try, try, nudge at it. That's been a really exciting project. It, even the money is, is it, the money is not even that important. It's more so just like there's a vision yeah. that we have. And I think Alex just needed someone like me who's well educated in publicity and who knows how to write an email and network and who's a foreigner. Because when I'm talking to the, American singer, American R&B singer, and I'm telling them I went over to the Philippines and I did shows and I got this many fans and, like, yeah. I got a following over there. Then they, oh, okay, like, it's starting to make sense now. If it's Alex doing it, yeah, it's a Filipino talking to a foreigner and it's kind of like, it just doesn't connect as much. Yeah, so you're kind of the proof. Yeah. Of the model a tiny bit. The, or I can, I've been there. It was a great experience for yeah, me. Yeah, I can, I can sell it more because we're we're all from western countries and you've got that relatability yeah people need like a little like a little in rapport yeah and unfortunately we're still living in this world where people will judge either appearances or background and everything like that so you to say that you're willing to go over there and do that means a lot like you're trading first world for a a completely different world you've hit the nail on the head mill obviously is there certain values that people have, maybe Australia and America and the UK and Canada are similar in mm. lifestyle expectations and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. When you're having a conversation with someone from, say, the US, what sort of things are they, look, what sort of stuff are they asking you as someone who's been there about the Philippines? Is there any particular questions that they ask that stand out that you think, oh, well, that's pretty similar to what an Australian person would ask? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. It's difficult because the people we're talking to, they come from Filipino cultures. Yeah. So they already know what the Philippines is like and they've been to the Philippines to visit their families, but they've never thought of pushing their music in the Philippines because they have the... That's, I mean, that's a value in and of itself that yeah. they may be, to be honest, I mean, I knew the population of the Philippines just yeah. from having to know that, but... I had no idea that there was a market there of music that could sustain artists that were global, yeah. like you're talking about. Because if you, if you ask, the, that's the question, not so much the question they ask us, the question we ask them is, do you know, do you know, like what's the first thing you think of when you think about Filipino music? And they always say karaoke, artista, uh, mass, which is all words that mean like old music like a traditional yeah style. Tr- traditional style music and artists are sort of like disney disney actors who are bred as kid actors and then they become big and because they've got such a big following they can just become a music but they you know they sing 
Yeah. There's a certain sound, OPM. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to explain. Karaoke, like if you can think just karaoke, oh, it's that's, hard. Though. That's the perception. Yeah, it's a perception. Like it's just really easy to um, really easy to sing along to. Yeah. But it's in a different language. Yeah. <laughs> to me, when I when I hear karaoke, I just think it's second rate. Mm. Like you're singing along. You're not the actual. They love it though. Yeah, but but that, that's what I mean. So for you to then be pushing that boundary, and you don't want audience. Well, you want audience participation in some format, but you actually don't want the audience to be the ones that are for taking the mic and taking control <laughs> no, of the situation. Yeah. yeah, you're like you. Well, you're promoting the origination of the music as something that could also be successful there. It's not just yeah having music or styles that people just sing along to, like Mel was saying, yeah. where the, it's all about the audience and there isn't really the artistry part of it. Yeah. yeah like those those conversations when you're appealing to people that whether they're expat Filipinos living overseas or whether they've never actually, you know, yeah. located back there. Yeah. How open are these people to you saying that your music may need to change in this way? Like you had that conversation yeah. with yourself are you also having that conversation with these people? people. Yeah. yeah. Or are you not at that point yet as the no, the, in for the venture? Sure. And how what how do they react to that they're, kind of stuff? Like you'll have to make it more Filipino centric, I guess. Yeah, they're they're open. Because I think what we do first is we don't that's not the first thing we talk about. We jump on a call with them and just get to know them first so they can kind of see what what we're going for. And it kind of just falls into place. But it's like, would you be open to, say, a few Tagalog lines in a verse? The answer is always, well, if it's going to get me more traction and if it's embracing my culture, then yes. But, yeah, it's also you, they may not in their day-to-day life get to embrace language the way that they may get to yeah. through their music. Yeah. Well, it's like my, my family, like my mum and dad and me, we're very westernised. But, for instance, my girlfriend, she's Filipina. And she moved here when she was seven. So that's her first language. And if you go to her place, which is up the road from my place here in Wodonga, like, it's just Filipino. Yeah. They just talk Tagalog. But she speaks back in English, but her parents talk to her in Tagalog. So most of the artists we're talking to come from that sort of household where they're Filipino, they're in a Filipino house. And as a kid, you get bullied and stuff because you're from a different culture like, because you're Asian, and that sort of suppresses that, uh, suppresses that... Want to express your yeah, culture. Like you, you, yeah, you, like, okay, well, I'm getting teased for being different because of this. Like, okay, I'm just going to stick to being Australian then. Yeah. And that was definitely my viewpoint. But now it's cool to embrace your culture, no matter what culture you are. That wasn't cool five years ago, but now it's cool. So woke. Yeah. I'm very woke. <laughs> yeah. Ahead of your time. It's, also, it's true. It may be true, but you've yeah. also been wanting to use the word woke, I think. That was the... I just the, learnt you it. You saw a moment and you took I'm, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, so, so woke so, now I know what woke is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mel mentioned earlier that you're doing all these things and we've talked a lot so far about your connection to the Philippines and yeah. maybe the music stuff. Can we just talk a little bit more about the style of music and how you actually create it? Yeah. Because I'm assuming when Mel said you do lots of stuff, you're not just vocalising the music and yeah, the lyricist, producing. but you're also producing it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so can you tell us about how maybe the formation of a song comes to be for you? Sure. Um, the number one thing that people say to me is, like, your hooks or your choruses are, like, the catch really catchy. And I think as much as I want to be, like, a rapper who can rap verse for verse and be, like, real, like, my forte is writing catchy melodies. So similar to similar to writing melodies singing melodies or like yeah vocalizing melodies that's sort of where i excel in producing as well not so much drums i can write drums i can do drums i can produce a beat but it's the melodies where i think my strong point is so i i usually build melodies first put a basic drum loop over it that i might think would fit and then i'll usually find a producer to you know finish it <laughs> yeah right so he he's you've worked with other artists from around here haven't yeah, you from around here yeah yeah from, oh well from around everywhere but i know like clue you've worked with him yeah um who, who are the other ones that you've worked with from like this area putting together like it, there's always like a featuring boy graduate yeah, which is something yeah. that genre does so much better yeah. than other genres. Yeah. It's acknowledgement, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Even producers are being featured now. Like that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. But Flem, who's like my best mate, mm-hmm. he's a rapper. Yeah. There's a few other little like guys around here. I've been helping out. The local scene here is blossoming, but there's like growing pains in regional towns for hip hop. Like there's always seems to be a bubble, and then the bubble dies. Same with even in Brisbane, like the bubbles build and then it goes down. It's Why a, do you think that is? I don't know. Okay, what well, what's it feel like to be part of it then? Because yeah. it sounds like you have been. Like, yeah. What did that feel like as the bubble was expanding and now maybe you're at a point where it's contracted? Like yeah, what? no, more so for like in terms of Brisbane, I just saw it. I wasn't in it because I was living in Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne is more established in terms of being creative. You can... There's more of a scene there. But for here, I'm not really attached to the scene here either. I'm more outlier as well. Yeah. So when I invite rappers from here to come over to my place to record and they do that, like, yeah, we have common ground because we're from the same town, but it's different because they'll be talking about different rappers from around here and there'll be uh, like egos, I guess, as well. So, like, I'm not a part of that. I'm not caught up in that. It's like, oh, that's not me. Like, I, I don't, like, I'm not, I'm not invested so much into it, into this scene. Well, I guess when they come around, I'm assuming from what you said there, Cam, that your idea is that these are talent. These yeah. guys are talent and that they happen to be from where I am, but where, in your mind, the music is for to be Everyone. sent to be sent outward, yeah. not to be an insular thing locally. Yeah, and I feel like there's so much ego, like, and it's in every artist. Like, I've got an ego. I can get real ego. Like, if if something doesn't happen, go well with a song, like, yeah. I get like real. It's just what an artist does. It's what part of being a creative. Yeah, but they almost destroy destroy it before it's. They don't even let it out. Because they're too egotistical, like <laughs> wow. yeah, that, that's I mean, there's th- a potential very deep rabbit hole there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what happened in Brisbane. The egos were too big, and then before it could, before the music could even get out of the city, 
you, you need to be together. You need to band together and work towards one. Vi- that's why going back to the Philippines thing, that's why it's so important to get as many Filipino foreigners on board yeah, and not against each other. It's like, no, we need to be pushing for one narrative, one, one goal. We can't let each other fight over just nothing because of our egos. Do you think you've got like a slight advantage? Well, where it's there's plenty of people for all of us guys yeah (laughs) right over there the philippines is like flooded do you think sometimes when people like in a small town aren't they don't necessarily think big first no yeah of course so it's almost like oh i want these people we've only got Forty thousand people. Yeah. I can't be sharing it. So, uh, like, this is just all coming to my brain right now. But how can we make sure? I suppose. I wonder what it is that we can make it okay for people to think. You know, it's okay to share your toy, which is a person. And <laughs> yeah. all those, like, we yeah. can all a like, base, yeah. yeah um, even yeah, even in such a small environment, there's still plenty. Like, no one's going to listen to the one artist all the time. Yeah. It's better if they're listening to five artists at the same time. Well, you've given voice to something that a lot of people have felt around here for a long time, particularly in creative fields, Yeah, that I haven't heard articulated quite the way that you've put it, and maybe as honestly. Oh, thanks. I think (laughs) think particularly the metal scene used to be a case of there was several good bands Mm. and they were similar enough that they could have all propelled each other into Melbourne and Sydney quite easily as a package deal. But just things like a couple of them booked gigs against each other accidentally Mm. on the same night and they split their audience and from that point on they split their relationship. Yeah. And that's... It's the same thing. It's just that danger of the size of this area. Yeah. But getting back to Mel's question, do you have any... You've obviously thought about it a lot, Cam, or somewhat. Yeah. Do you have any ideas what sort oh. of conversations people need to be having with each other to avoid fallings out and not supporting each other? Yeah, I don't know. When when an artist from around here comes to me with that sort of stuff, like, oh, you know, this person shared this person's music but not mine, like, is that... Jeez. Yeah, like, that's... It's like that's kids a le- shit, that, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's what, like, rappers, they all become rappers at, like, 16, 17. Mm. So it's just life experience... All I, all I can really do is sort of shine light on how, what I did and how I became to be me because I've worked with, like, multi-platinum producers and all that kind of stuff that they know about. Like, the producers I've worked with have produced, like, some of the biggest hits that they love, like, from the Hilltop Hoods and Bliss and SO and stuff. So I think I've got, like, a a merit or, like, when I talk, it's like, I better listen to this guy. Yeah. I don't think there's not many people, maybe Clue, Clue's worked with a few dudes as well, but, like, I feel like, yeah, it's just they listen to me a bit more, but still I'm going to say my piece and if they don't take it, then, okay, don't take it. I'm not going to get so involved with it where I need to be spending energy on that because I just know that it's probably not going to, it's probably going to just, it's like a trend. Yeah. <laughs> a, bubble well, builds up, a bubble builds up, goes down, you, bubble builds that's up, goes down. a much better way to handle the issue, you know, more generally than what I did back in the day. Yeah. I've found just over time that I just, I was spending so much time dwelling on the fact of why are these people so competitive when yeah. they could be helping each other? Yeah. And then I'd end up just burning myself out, yeah. worrying about it. Clearly you've got a 
more. Smarter than you, Josh. Yeah, well, clearly, <laughs> or just more mature perspective on but it. That you can offer the help and you can offer the advice from a place of knowledge. Yeah, it's but fair enough. But if it's not taken, then it's not taken. Yeah, yeah, it's fair enough for you to do that, though, because, like, you get so passionate. Like, there, for sure, there's times where I've had to stop myself and be like, I, I just can't, like... It's yeah. like someone who's a drug abuser or something and you're trying to help them, trying to help, but they're not helping themselves. It's like, I just got to... Yeah. Literally what I was about to say. You yeah. can't help someone unless they actually yeah. want they help. Want, they want to yeah. help themselves. So so I just do my bit uh, like around here while I'm here now. And I, I, I probably will be around here for a while, but like, yeah, my focus for sure is Melbourne, Philippines. That's where I'm going to be doing most of my stuff. Yeah, and you haven't been... Um in any way, I wouldn't look at you and go, you're being limited by being from this area at all because you've found outlets and you've found avenues and ways, like you said, like through Zoom or like yeah. Skype or connecting and doing stuff remotely just because you're not with the people necessarily that you want to work with. Yeah. Like physically doesn't mean that it's not achievable at all. Like I know that Clue... He's got jerk store and he's got someone in Sydney and someone in yeah, Melbourne. And they're Jolene like this. Connor. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys had Christmas with Yeah, the I went day. around there last weekend. Um, but, yeah, so it doesn't limit you from being remote at all. No. You've just got to work, yeah? No, it doesn't. And the more, the more you can – the reason I can go to Melbourne and I actually just talked to my friend Hamley, um, who's a producer – and he just recently produced Stan Walker's latest single, Bigger. Apparently it's huge in New Zealand. Apparently yeah. it went gold. He's like a really top producer. And I just got him on board to be my executive producer for my next project. Nice. So I'm going to be going to Melbourne a lot next year to work on the demos I've built over this year to finalise everything. Because they're all probably at 70% and I just, I'm not a producer. I just make the beats. So I just need someone to take it from 70 to 100. But like... The reason I can go to the Philippines for a year, live here for another year and still have that tight relationship with him is because I I worked on that relationship. Yeah. Like I nurtured it. That's a friendship I have. Yeah. And so that's what I try explaining to people. Like you just need to network and don't always go for like, don't always go for the kill. <laughs> don't meet someone and say, hey, can you sign me? Yeah. Like I didn't do that to Alex. Yeah. I just got to know him. Yeah. And he was pitching foreign Filipinos for free and getting them on TV and in front of so much reach. Yeah. I was like, oh, how much are you charging these guys? Well, nothing. It's like, bro, you got to be charging these people. <laughs> <laughs> these yeah. people are from Western worlds. They have money. And this is your network that you've built over uh, 20 years. I don't know anyone that's got the contacts that you do in the Philippines. And so that's sort of... That's the entrepreneurial stuff coming in that artists don't really have. And I think something just from looking into you over the last few days and the scene that or the style of music that you're in, that genre seems to have done an incredible job at staying connected and busy during this period, whereas a lot of anything from rock and roll to jazz and all these different things that I follow online have basically just thought, well, if I can't play a show. That's it. That's it for until we can play shows again. What's the point of staying connected and marketing and networking? Because yeah. there's no end game, so to speak. Yeah. Do you think it's because the genre as a whole is a little bit more digital first? Yeah. Or do you think it's more you're aligned with digital quicker? 
than some of the more traditional music styles that you think about. If yeah, well, the the element of hip hop, like entrepreneurship, is almost an element of hip hop. I reckon, like if you look at people like Jay Z, like mm-hmm. almost every rapper in America, yeah, was a drug dealer first, <laughs> which is a which is an entrepreneurial activity. So they learn how to make money. They learn how to turn something into nothing. And like, like you mentioned, I think with jazz and rock and stuff, it's more so about the music and the technicalities of the music. Whereas rapping and hip hop, it's like a culture. And I think entrepreneurship is ingrained in that culture. So that's something that really appealed to me, like hearing Jay-Z when I was younger and knowing that Jay-Z had a champagne company and knowing that he owned the Brooklyn Nets and just being like, wow, this guy's not even making money off music. He's like one of the biggest artists in the world, but he's making his money from business. And it's like, wow, you can do that. But I also grew up liking Richard Branson and all those kind of entrepreneurs as well. So, From what my perception is, any of the, the hip-hop like rapper is sort of around here at the moment you actually that are doing well Mm. what in my perception of doing well is you're very comfortable with knowing and being okay with other people adding extras Mm. to your stuff like you're like okay i'm you do a lot right Mm. but from a production point of view you've all got your own roles okay this is what i'm really good at so i'm going to do this and to get a better product i need someone that's better at me than doing mm. than what I am at that last little 30% of producing. Yeah, I wasn't always like that. No, but what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. that, that's an evolutionary thing, yeah. right? Yeah, And what I'm noticing is the much more business-focused of your, your group yeah. are much more okay with going, this is a business, like mm. even though, you know, we love music and everything like this, yeah. this is a business. So to get the best product at the end... We need to be okay with letting someone else yeah. do a little part of it or knowing that you'd need a good solid team to work yeah. on it. You just made an incredible point, Mel, and it makes me think that do you think the fact that you guys as a genre and as a local group and a larger genre are so comfortable doing what Mel's talking about, it's only made the the art better though? Yeah, exactly. Like being honest about the fact it's a business seems to have allowed the genre to make better art. Yeah. Because you're not... Trying to hide something. Well, you're not trying to do it all yourself. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And well done, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Thanks. It's a, it's a hard point to get to. Oh, like, I mean, I've, oh. I'm hopeless with that and always have been. Yeah. But that was my goal at the very start. Like, oh, I needed to be doing everything myself. But it's just you don't have the time. And as you get older, like you said, I look two years older. You almost guess my age. I'm 28. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like I'm getting older now. Yeah. And I'm building relationships in Asia with like radio stations and publications and industry people where I still love making music and I still hope to build my music more. But like I'm sort of looking more so at, you know, who can I help? Like I've got this network now. Who who can I like, who can I help to utilize that yeah. uh, network? I think that's my why I'm more open to being more businessy as well. Like, there's too much there's too much on my plate right now. If I can write, I can get my thoughts, I can get my feelings out on the microphone, I can produce a semi good beat over it, and then to have someone like Hamley finalize it, and I just know he's because we've known each other for like six years. He knows my story. He knows who I am. He knows he can write my songs better than me. 
I feel. So if he's going to say, I don't think you should say this, I think you should write it, like, and then he'll write my melody, it's even to the point where I'm like, yeah, that's dope, I'll do it. But, like, two years ago, if someone tried writing my melodies in a studio, I'd be like, nah, like, I'm the one that writes the melodies. <laughs> but, like, it's just, I don't know, it's a thing that you've got to grow into, like you mentioned. I think that also comes down to, you You said before, about how much you invest in your relationships. Yeah. And there's a lot of work that goes into that and that getting that trust point with someone is also, you know, part of that process, sure. right? Because we've gone through life together. Like, yeah. Like, you know, downs and like, like we've been, I've been at the very bottom, he's been at the very bottom and we've always been there for each other. It's it's a stronger thing than music. It's like a brothership. So it's like, it just makes sense to call, like call him and be like, bro, just finish my project. <laughs> like what's it going to cost? Because I'll just pay it. <laughs> yeah. And that's another good point to say. You're not actually just calling in a favour from a friend. You're still putting a value on what he has to offer by yeah. saying, I'm going to pay you for this. Yeah. But I just trust that you can do a better job. Do you think it, it's, for me, I sort of operate in, I know I can't do everything the best. But I still like to know how to do it so I have an appreciation of what it takes so that you're not just going, oh, that's your job, you just do it. Do you think that, because I know that you have you are across all these things, this is what I was saying to Josh, you're impressive, you can do all this stuff. Do you think that helps too with when you are offloading work, you're like, I really appreciate this because... Because I know how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't do it that good, but I know you can. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like learning how to make music videos. Like, I know how to make a music video. I know how to direct something. And I know how hard it is. But it's like, it just makes it so much easier. <laughs> same, same with mixing. Same with, like, yeah, mixing and producing. It's like, you just know what's going on. You can look at the screen. You can see what the producer's doing. And you get no, I don't want that frequency in there. I can hear it. No, I want it out. Like, you can become a better you're a producer. Yeah. Like overall. Mm -hmm. So the the better you're able to communicate that, the better your product's going to be. So like it's, it is better to, it is kind of good to learn little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But be a master of one, I think. Yeah. Good advice. I like it. So I just want to get on to how progressive you are. Because you were TikToking before TikTok knew it was a TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got on. Um, was that a boredom? Like all these things that you do, because you pop up little videos and stuff all the yeah. time. You are very much promoting yourself constantly. Maybe yeah. a little bit less at the moment. Yeah. But is it all strategy or is it because you're trying to you know, have a bit of fun or is it also just I need to learn this new skill because this is now a thing that's a thing? Mm, an element, all of those elements in one. Yeah, okay. I think I just like figuring stuff out. So, and it's just intriguing to hear that. I first heard of TikTok maybe like October last year or something. I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is going to be big. And just knowing that it was a Chinese-owned company and like it was the only app that could cross between China and, like, the rest of the world and just knowing that it came from Songli or whatever, they bought it off, like, I was like, oh, this is going to be big. There's already people doing this, like, yeah, but no, and we still don't know what it is. 
some I I have a podcast and we were on an episode last night and the artist that we were interviewing she said it's like a mini YouTube. It's not only for dancing anymore. It's like you can learn how to cook on there. You can learn how to dance. You can learn how to do everything on there. So it's like that's a good point. I've never thought of it like that before. It's a it's like a condensed YouTube. Because <laughs> like you, it did start out as a musically. Yeah, musically. The, that's yeah. A, that was yeah. the same company. Is that or that was the app that they built it on? Was that? Yeah, they bought it. The, whoever owns it now bought it. I, I can't remember the company. They bought it from musically. So there's a ingrained i guess to begin with it was very music centric mm. as you said yeah well, are you doing music stuff i guess that's where i'm going like you're talking you said you had a guest on your podcast where they talked about all these other things that tiktok can be yeah. firstly what is your podcast for anyone that is listening it's called behind this beat and it's with um alex from from the philippines and it's just interviewing filipino artists and filipino foreigners every friday so with the tiktok what, were you, what are you doing on there? Because oh, I haven't actually, I, yeah. don't, I don't have TikTok up myself, so I've never looked at it. But Mel's saying that you're obviously doing something good yeah. on there. <laughs> uh, I, I've, I think I've got like four TikToks up there. I think I deleted some of them. But I was doing like ones that I just find funny. They're, they're like challenges. So there's like a dancing challenge I did on there. I, I'm doing the Tussie Slide by Drake. Um, that's like a TikTok dance. And I love Drake's like my favorite artist ever. So like whatever he does. I'll just do. And I think there's one where I'm like imitating a Aussie accent. Like it's a voiceover of an Aussie accent trying to teach someone how to <laughs> talk like an Australian. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because you, you, you like mimic it because it's the voice, like it's hard. It's like a music video. You, you don't, people always ask with music videos, how do you, how do you get the song in sync with your singing? It's like you sing the song when the, recordings on like when the when the camera's in front of you you sing the song it's not that hard um <laughs> yeah but it's the same with tiktok you've got to talk when the voice is talking yeah and you got to make it in sync and it's just like challenging and to make it funny and like not lame that's like a whole different thing i know there's so many people that i know that are trying trying to be like a tiktok influencer and it's just cringe <laughs> and it's just like oh that's bad <laughs> like and I, th I think I like that your purpose behind it was just to learn it. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is a new thing. People are going to get around it. And again, that input, I need to know how this works so that I can understand the application of it, I suppose, when other yeah. people sort of jump in Especially on with being an artist, you have to have your finger on the pulse. Like, I, I learned, did the same thing with Snapchat. Yeah. I installed it because I wanted to know what it was when everyone was talking about Snapchat in twenty. 12, 2013 yeah. sort of time frame. And I think since then I've installed it three or four times and I've worked out that I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> one bit. So I just delete it. But yeah. I, I learned enough about it that I knew what it was Yeah, in case it became something that, you know, at the time, that's when I first started the podcast and I was still playing in a band. And yeah, yeah, I realized it probably couldn't help me as a person because I didn't like it all that much. But it is that's important, I, it is important yeah. to know if there's something there. That's what I feel with TikTok. I haven't posted a TikTok in months. I've heard that TikTok, you, you mentioned that it's something's a bit cringe. I've heard that TikTok, the, even though it's, you know, there's a kind of an entertainment element to it and a lot of the stuff's kind of funny, there's also a community of people that kind of seem to, well, early on were really filtering what was terrible. Yeah. And it's a pretty vicious place to be if what you're doing is terrible. 
Yeah. From what I've heard, if it's not funny or it's not entertaining or... Yeah, it can get dark. <laughs> yeah, it can get dark. <laughs> yeah, it can get really dark. It all, it all, like, it all depends on the algorithms and what you, what you watch. So if you're constantly watching cooking videos, you're going to get targeted for those kind of videos. But if you're constantly watching dark stuff, you're going to fall in, like, you, so, you don't have to fall into that rabbit, rabbit hole. They're going to give it, give you that content. Right. Okay. Well, that sounds a lot like YouTube. Yeah. So did you manage to get the handle, is it at something, at Hampson? Did you get at Hanson on there? I got at Boy Graduate. Oh, you got at Boy Graduate. <laughs> I was just thinking you would have a pretty big following if you got at Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've I've retired the <laughs> handle Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, that, I, if you've got any of those, they're probably worth selling to someone. So. <laughs> well, that was another thing. It's like, whoa, like that could be worth money, but it's just how many things can you juggle? Like, yeah. I love that. I love that you have all these things to juggle. Yeah. But you also <laughs> make an active decision not to necessarily chuck them all up in the air yeah. at once. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I might just play with this toy for a bit. Mm. So what's what's new and what's happening at the moment for Boy Graduate? Uh, I'm writing a lot of, like, so from from the start, my songs have always, like, touched on themes of, like, heartbreak or, like, not doing well with relationships. But I'm actually, for the first time in my life, in a really good relationship. So... I'm writing a lot of stuff <laughs> about that. Some and nice like, stuff. Hamley, Hamley was like, oh, bro, like, I kind of like it when you're heartbroken. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't know about this type of... But, yeah, that's that's sort of the direction, I guess, I'm going. And last year was such an experience living in the Philippines, just finding a way to tell my story in a way where it's relatable so a lot of a lot of work has gone into that. Like, what do I want to say to the people that I've that are still listening to me? Because when I moved to the Philippines, I felt like my fan base here decreased. Okay. Like I felt like people lost interest because oh, he's in the Philippines now. Like he's left us. Yeah, left us yeah. sort of thing. Like he's not doing shows in Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney. I was still actively really trying to build my following off the back of the few wins I got. So I like did a tour with Bliss and SO around Australia. And then I also released a track with a guy from Chance the Rapper's crew called Brian Fresco. And that really did well. That was getting Triple J play. So trying to capitalize off those two things and trying to build the fan base I already had. But I think I got two in my head about that. And I was like trying to chase that one, another hit, another hit, another hit. And which is really easy to fall into but moving to the Philippines kind of forced me to focus on other stuff. Like, oh, maybe I can, yeah, the Philippines thing. Like, oh, there's a market over here. Yeah. But it's a smart. A really big one. It's a, yeah, big, really it's big, one. a big one. Maybe I should try and become a bit taglish. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. You might need to learn how to use sunscreen first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they love, they just... So, like, people over here want to get tanned. Over there, there's, like, whitening cream in supermarkets that you can buy. Yeah, I found, when I went to Thailand, I found that pretty, well, I guess, for the lack of a better term, it was a bit confronting to begin yeah. with because, yeah, you'd see people and they would be just white, rubbing white yes. pig, pigment into their skin, essentially. It's right off. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, wow, like, just goes to show how society, like... <laughs> yeah, what can, like, shape you, right? Yeah. 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 What's the beauty expectation or anything? Handsome is a, a word that is used across the globe, though. 
Yeah, yeah. you could have kept yeah, that. that one could have anyway. I'm, I'm glad you didn't keep that because I really like Boy Graduate. It, yeah. It's a good one. So a, any sort of um, timeline on when any of this will be done or is it just let's hope that you stay in love and we keep <laughs> we keep getting this if type of If the last of half this. of the record's really dark, <laughs> yeah, you know. you'll know something happens. <laughs> to be funny, your last one that I listened to was like a, a transgression of his love life. Two days? Yeah. 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 So, and that was like it went from... Sorry, is this an EP or a song? It's an a EP. Single. Oh, yeah. the, no, the EP. The EP oh, that we speed dated. Power EP, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was like this transgression of he was sort of happy and then he just went... Brr, 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 yeah, brr, brr. that was it. And, uh, and uh, then it sucked and I was like, yay! <laughs> yeah. Because before, at the start of that EP... It, it was like, oh my god, I cannot deal with this sort of so love. happy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so in love. So. I hate, I hate people's happiness. <laughs> I, I, even though I'm happy, I don't like seeing people happy. <laughs> so well, we can all agree on that, <laughs> right, mate? So I guess if you don't have any timelines, I'm not sure whether you did. We'll keep everything updated yeah. that's associated with this episode. If you're listening to this in the future. You'll be able to click the show notes and yeah. get through to Boy Graduates Music. And was there anything else, Mel, that you had? No, he's just got so much. So I'm just going to let him rattle off his platforms because he's on many. Yeah. Go for it. You're on YouTube. You're on YouTube. Yeah, it's Blade. literally like we discussed earlier. It's Boy Graduate on everything. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram. Did I say Instagram? Yeah. You did now. You did yeah. now. Can I ask just quickly, what's your favourite? If people are going to find you Ooh. in one place, uh, what's your favorite? Where do you like Ooh. to be most? Um, Instagram is like my most used, but I'm re- I'm really on there. Either. Like I'm, I'm I check it once every day. That's like a habit I'm trying to form. Yeah, not yeah. get caught into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, hang on. I just want to go on a diversion of this Good. from somewhat. It's a very hard headspace to be in, right? We actively need to be on it for people to like you and know what you're up to and everything like that is it almost like you're not giving others the same courtesy by being on instagram to check their stuff yeah you kind of have to like power through it all in like the 30 minutes you've got like just just try like (laughs) yeah like oh that person's doing that cool 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 like yeah it's again you have to keep your finger on the pulse to you have to give love to receive love so i see where you're coming from yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's just hard. Life's hard. Yeah. Unless you're in love and you've got music to write and you're all... Yeah. All and it's 70% done and... <laughs> yeah. And the beat, behind the beat? Behind this beat. Behind, behind this, this beat. beat? Yeah. Where can you get that on all streaming platforms? Yeah, on everything that where the podcasts go. And it also gets filmed, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a, it gets... So the podcast is a version of the live recording that we do. Which is on Facebook. Awesome. Um, it's just beat this ph, cool. uh, and the website is www.beatthisph.com. Awesome. Right, all that will be linked up. Yep. You remember do you like co- do you like coffees? Yeah. Well, we couldn't shout you one today because we didn't have any. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> no stress. We weren't really jo- on our game there. We should have. Jo- Josh would like um, anyone at home to please sh- shout us a coffee. 
Because then we can just transfer it on. Yeah, we can give... I've got give my deep spring here. I just had one of those bacon and egg pies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you want to buy us a deep spring, <laughs> go yeah. to supportpunchingsideways.com and you can listen to the show there, share the show, and also buy us a coffee. Just press the button. And, and who knows, we might buy people deep springs. <laughs> yeah. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> right, Cam, boy graduate, thanks so much, mate. It's been a well, pretty amazing interview, really. I was, I've been loving it. Oh, thanks <laughs> for having me. Thanks, Producer yeah. Mel, for bringing in amazing people again. I should just You're let welcome. you book all the guests. No, not at all. <laughs> right. Okay, thanks, bud. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. So what did you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what did I think of that hiccup? <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest. I let out a very weird noise <laughs> earlier, and I'm not sure where it came from. From your mouth. Let's just clarify. Oh, it came okay. from it came from within me, but yeah. I'm not sure why or how where it came from or why it did that. I feel like I'm starting to just extract, extrapolate more and more little intricate parts of you, like your underground music thing. Yeah, that's going on, and and. Boy graduate, he's not gone underground, he's gone way above ground. Correct, the complete opposite. <laughs> Over the sea. Yeah. Into the Philippines. That's pretty impressive. I don't <laughs> think I've been as impressed with anyone I haven't met before and known anything about that I've interviewed on this show. Really? Not, yeah, so you really are knocking it out of the park with the producing there because he was pretty amazing. I was in awe of where his brain has gone and seen opportunities overseas mm. and he's not afraid to grasp them. No, the thing that I liked, I guess, and it might sound a little self-serving, but he was like an embodiment of part of why we're trying to do the show, mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily need to remain bound by the local region. You can have really big goals and his were well beyond what I would have expected, to be honest, when he walked in here. Mm-hmm. He's looking at things at a whole different level, which is probably what I was most blown away by is just the the scale that he's thinking of when it comes to people and reach, but also that he's not letting the fact that he's here again limit his thinking in the slightest. Well, I think one of the things you said to me when I first started, and I think when you also interviewed the guy from Tech AU, was, uh, that was Cartwright? Jason, yeah. Jason Cartwright, yeah. uh, was that just because you're here in a small town of Aubrey, Wodonga, doesn't mean you can't be producing outstanding quality of an ex- outstanding quality of work. You shouldn't be, your thought process shouldn't be of, oh, that's a regional thing. Oh, that's pretty good. It should be, wow, that's an amazing thing. And it's from a regional area. Yeah. So... I think maybe there's a few more people like that around that we've just got to find. We've got yeah, to dig that, them all out. That's the other thing. You did a bit of digging there and a bit of investigating and that wasn't just someone that fell into our lap necessarily, I wouldn't have thought. Not like someone that I've known for 10 years or you happen to already have a relationship with. That's someone that... There's there's a little bit of digging, but I will say uh, my eyes are wide open now. I know that sounds very strange to say. (laughs) Um, More so than when you're awake normally. Well, I think before I've referenced this, like like running around just la-da-da-da-da, and I talk to everyone all the time, and that's just my natural tendency. But now when I'm talking to people, 
I'm taking a lot more in than I would have necessarily before because I know how much opportunity is in front of me in this area. So I suppose, yeah, I've got toothpicks in my eyes at the moment <coughs> to keep my eyes open so I don't miss out on people like this yeah. that present themselves in front of me. Well, I'm stoked that you found him and I'm also stoked that you found out a little bit more about your grandfather, great-grandfather, sorry, that yeah. you mentioned in the episode with Rodney and for people that maybe didn't get that far through that episode or haven't heard that part, can you just remind everyone what he achieved and maybe what you found out since? So Rodney um, that we had on the previous episode was saying about how significant it is to be able to bestow a memorial on someone that's won the Victoria Cross and it just tweaked my brain. I was like, oh, my great-grandfather Bernard Fraser won a memorial cross like it was he's gone down the street and collected the paper for the first time. I think from memory Rodney described it as the highest honour or in his mind the highest honour an Australian citizen can receive. Yeah so shame on me for not really acknowledging that but I didn't know him that way. I knew him as a cool sort of guy but I remember saying to you I think he has some building named after him, like a shed. Yeah, a shed. You described it as a shed. Yeah, And you were basically saying that it probably wasn't even going to be a great shed. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out that uh, my great-grandfather created the civil service, which is now known as the SES. (laughs) (laughs) When you told me that the other day, I'm like, uh, you couldn't have (laughs) undervalued the guy more. (laughs) Yeah, he's got some shed named after him. Yeah, he won some medal and what? There's a shed. (laughs) So, yeah. Can um, we just just re-highlight that? It was called the civil service when he founded it and now it's the SES. It's evolved into the SES, which is all over Australia. Correct, and it's one of the most crucial pieces of infrastructure and also, I guess, volunteer support probably in the whole country. Yeah, yeah. and I want, and it's those sort of things too, right, that make me think, because I'm such a volunteer with everything and I didn't never piece this together until probably just sitting here right now that it's just in my core yeah. DNA, I suppose, to get out and do stuff like that. Yeah, you, you do for people that don't know Mel personally, that you do seem to derive a lot of energy from giving yourself 100% to a cause, more so than a lot of people that I've met. Yes. And you're saying essentially that maybe that's part of your makeup a little bit more than you realised. Maybe. Now that you've been digging into your great-grandfather. Yeah, so I appreciate, well, again, Punching Sideways has given me an opportunity to um, delve into another area that I wouldn't have necessarily before and I will be doing a little bit more exploration (laughs) into that because but it goes it goes back literally and proves what you said a few minutes ago that if you dig a little bit into things, like there was someone in your own family mm. that you've now found out all this amazing stuff about, like there's got to be more people around here that we just haven't. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't yeah. uncovered that rock yet, so to speak. If you know some people that are under rocks. <laughs> yeah, particularly if you happen to yeah. be from a little bit out of town. Yeah. Like a, a Wagga or a Beechworth or a Wangaratta or if, yeah. if there's a rock liver. Yeah. If you've got an awesome rock star, so to speak. Yeah. 
just um, shoot us a message or, you know, get in contact with one of us, get on the page and get into our DMs <laughs> in a polite way, please. And um, tell us who you know is living under a rock because we want to know these stories. And I'm happy we've somehow changed the complete meaning of living under a rock <laughs> we've achieved for yep. today. Yep. I am around it. Let's get on to it. Nice. And can I, I lift I... some rocks up, please. Geologist. Geologist rocks? Yeah, or any rocks. I will, I'll leave us with this, Mel. There was one small piece of regret oh. that I had from today's interview. If Boy Graduate had have kept the handle handsome, yeah, he could literally have funded our whole buy me a coffee for the rest of time because people would have been clicking on that <laughs> for, yeah. forever. Well, maybe we should call ourselves something else. We can't now. We've got the artwork and well, that we was... we can't call it punching handsome because that won't work. <laughs> punching above yeah. our way. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> punching Maybe, yeah, just buy us a coffee, please, yeah. so I can think clearly about my next move and how I can foster up enough energy to go out and lift some more rocks and find some interesting people for you guys to listen to. Okay, that was that was a good pitch. All right, guys, <laughs> thank you so much. And, yeah, my voice is going away. Bye-bye. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.